dig it! In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the spin! Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And a good Monday to you. And holiday Monday it is. MLK Day today, right? There you go. All right, so if you're working, <laughs> too bad for you. Wait a minute, that means too bad for me, right? If you're not working, happy holidays! There you go. Oh, yes. I'm pumped up, revved up, fired up, ready to rock and roll today! Yes! A wild, wild card weekend in the NFL. And we're not done yet. We still got one more to go. And for that, we will go live out to Tampa Bay, Raymond James Stadium, wherever in the heck they're calling it now. On the pirate ship, TJ Reeves will join us for a live report. For tonight's wildcard matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the division champ, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How crazy is that? The division champ, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 8-9 and is their record. The Dallas Cowboys have four more wins than the Buccaneers. Oh, but the Buccaneers are hosting this game. Dallas Cowboys are a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, which tells you the Cowboys are the better team. So a lot of question, a lot of interest in this game here tonight, obviously because it's a playoff game, but could it be Tom Brady's final game? Could it be his final game? And we know that Brady has a tremendous record against the Dallas Cowboys, hasn't lost to him. All right. Then on the flip side, you've got Dak Prescott, who's been downright awful, horrendous year, really for him, and especially the second half of the season, and the head coach, Mike McCarthy. Could it be his last game as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? Now, obviously, it's going to be his last game or possibly his last game if the Cowboys lose. But if they win, all right, maybe Jerry Jones will stick with him. We'll see how it goes. But remember, Jerry did say just a couple weeks ago that uh, he has full confidence in Mike McCarthy and his staff. But in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, could this be it? All right, we'll talk to T.J. Reeves. He will give us the lowdown with a live report from him at the bottom of the hour as we get ready for tonight's game. We'll kick it off 5.15 Pacific time tonight. Uh, the Bucks and the Cowboys, looking forward to that. All right, we'll recap everything that we saw on Saturday and Sunday in the first five games of this six-game weekend of the uh, wild card NFL playoffs, or as I like to say, forget the super wild card. No. Super wild card. It's horrible. No. Super wild card. It is not super. I'm going to correct you every you time you say it. can't be super. Super Bowl is super. Super wild card is not. I hate these made up names. Opening round of super wild the card. NFL playoffs. Please turn off your mic. Okay. Just because it's a no. holiday, you know, it doesn't mean that you get carte blanche here. You know, it doesn't mean you get overtime either. I'll turn your mic off. <laughs> That's okay. He turned his own mic on. Thank you. Thank you very much for that numchuck. Uh, numchuck. Yes, sir. Where were you Saturday night? I did not see you. I looked at your seats for George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic. You were nowhere to be found. I know. 
You felt really bad. I had it, I had an emergency, and you you were really looking forward to the show. I was. You really were. I was because you got a little funk in you. I do. You missed a good show. I, I saw the video that you posted. It yeah. looked good. Yeah, yeah. George at eighty one, uh, still got down, did his thing. The calves that George Clinton has. No one really talks about the calves. I really never even noticed it myself until I saw him like you know going down doing his thing. Eighty one years old. This guy got some fierce calves. And George looks looked better at 81 Saturday night than the last time I saw him when I promoted him going back four years ago. He looked much better. He looked, yeah, great show, great job, and uh, sold out International Theater at the Westgate on Saturday night for George Clinton Parliament of Funkadelic. What did he do, about two hours? He did two hours exactly. He did two hours exactly. Yeah, just uh, a lot of hits there, you know, so uh, a great show, and thank our good friends there. At the Westgate for that. All right. So back to the playoffs. Uh, today also, um, uh, we will be joined by Marco D'Angelo. He'll join us next hour as we talk about the handicapping side of things. Yay. Uh, that's going to be pretty, go- uh, pretty goofy, pretty weird because as you know, the food bet that transpired on Friday between Marco and Jay Schrader while we were doing our show at the Superbook of the Westgate, the uh, food bet this week was the Chargers and the Jaguars. And Marco had the Jaguars. Jay had the Chargers. I abstained. And for three quarters, I was thinking, why did I abstain? Why didn't I get a piece of this food? Because as we know what happened in that game, the Chargers led 27 to nothing, only to lose 31 to 30. You should have taken one side either way. Yeah. It's a free meal either way. I know, right? You're right. I didn't even think about that. It's a free meal. Either Marco or Jay is paying either way. Why didn't I think about that? Come on, man. That's it. You know, I was going to go with the Chargers. I really was. Cause remember I said it was going to be yeah. one of my best bets. And then I tailed off of that. Uh, remember Cincinnati instead. So anyway, so uh, Marco will join us. Chuck Esposito will join us over at Red Rock as we uh, get ready for tonight's game. And he'll, we'll talk about the underdogs that covered in the first five games of the weekend. All Dogs covered, oh, except for the 49ers. I mean, except for the Seahawks. So 49ers a favorite, the one there. Yeah, so four out of five, dogs cover. Will a dog cover tonight? Again, the Cowboys are the two-and-a-half-point road favorite against Tampa Bay. All right, so yes, an exceptional wild-card weekend thus far. Rematches in all six games, which we talked about last week. All very exciting games. Uh, Again, the underdogs covered in four of the five. Two of them actually won outright. The Jaguars were a dog by two and a half points, and so were the Giants. They were three-point dogs to Minnesota, so two outright winners there. And what was really unique, strange, whatever you want to say about this, the way these games started, all of the favorites jumped out to some big leads. And not all big leads, but most of the games we're, we're, we're large leads, two score leads. San Francisco jumped out 10 nothing in their game against uh, Seattle. The Chargers, as we mentioned, 27 nothing. Buffalo jumped out 17 to nothing over the Dolphins. Cincinnati jumped out 10 to nothing. And the Vikings jumped out 7 nothing. They scored the first touchdown. And then the Giants came back and, and scored the next 14 after that. But yeah, just, you know, you got all that hype, especially with the home teams. You know, jumping out, and I think a lot of people thought, okay, we're going to have a lot of blowouts here. But we start by handicapping, or I should say reviewing uh, 
what took place starting all off on Saturday in San Francisco. Uh, the Niners defeat the Seahawks 41 to 23. Niners, after jumping out to that lead that I talked about, 10 nothing, they actually trailed 17 to 16. And then the second half rolls around and then it became all 49ers. The Niners scored 24 unanswered points highlighted by this. They'll let him throw again. Wide open Debo Samuel. Got a block from George Kittle. Debo Samuel. There he goes. Foot on the gas. All the way. Touchdown San Francisco. A 74-yarder. 74-yarder busted this game open in the second half for the San Francisco 49ers. They go on to defeat the Seahawks 41-23. to Yeah, Debo Samuel back and healthy. And he came back with about two regular season games to go. And uh, what a difference he makes for the San Francisco 49ers. And we had talked about Brock Purdy. How is Brock Purdy going to do under the big stage and the big lights of the playoffs? And Purdy's been fantastic with the Niners, as we know, during the regular season. But this was a game that I think I mentioned on Friday and even even uh, different times last week that this was the perfect game for Brock Purdy to get his first career playoff start as a quarterback. He gets it against the Seattle Seahawks that are not a very good defensive team at all. And plus, he's faced them a couple times already this season. So this is like a great opener, so to speak. You know, this is a this is a great tune-up game for Brock Purdy. We are not going to know how well Brock Purdy is going to to face up against if they do face the Dallas Cowboys if the Cowboys win tonight. Okay, that could be the game next week. Okay, that'll be a stern tough for, uh, test for him. And then against the Philadelphia Eagles as well. And then if you, you know, get to the Super Bowl to either face Kansas City or Buffalo or maybe even Cincinnati. But This was good for Brock Purdy, and he played very, very well. 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, and then the all-important stat of no interceptions for Purdy. So he was great. But I still am waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to speak, with Purdy. And But we knew it wasn't going to happen. It shouldn't happen against the Seattle Seahawks, a team he's very familiar with, and plus all the weapons that the 49ers have there, including Debo Samuel. And then Christian McCaffrey, phenomenal. McCaffrey, uh, 15 carries, 119 yards. McCaffrey was fantastic again. And San Francisco, all together in this game, 505 total yards. Phenomenal. And now the Niners have won 11 in a row, don't anyone tell me there's a better football team out there than the San Francisco 49ers because there's not. Now, we understand, come playoff football, anything can happen. And we saw that in the other games. But the Niners, they roll by 18. They'll be sitting at home uh, waiting to see what happens tonight to see who their next opponent will be. All right, so that was Saturday afternoon. Then we get to Saturday night, and Jacksonville is hosting the Chargers. We know the Jacksonville's been playing some very good football as of late. We know the Chargers are coming into this game with a red-hot quarterback and Justin Herbert. And remember, they lost their finale uh, against uh, against Denver. And this was a, a game where Brandon Stately, their head coach, decided he's going to play, you know, his starters, you know, deep into this game, including Mike Williams. And Mike Williams got hurt in that game last week. And he was unable to go, which was a crushing blow for the Chargers. 
So we saw line movement galore in this game. We saw the Jaguars um, open up as a favorite. Then it went to the Chargers as the favorite. They closed as a, as a two and a half point favorite. And what happened in this game? Chargers came out storming 27 to nothing, just obliterating Jacksonville. And Trevor Lawrence was downright awful in the first half. This was a game, it was a tale of two halves, and really, it was two separate games when you think about it. Chargers just rolled, and you figured, okay, is Jacksonville going to make a run here? And they started to make a run right before halftime when the Jaguars got a touchdown, and they trimmed it to 27-7 to at the end of the first half. But Trevor Lawrence was horrendous in the first half. Four interceptions. Not in the game. But in the half, four picks. Asante Samuel Jr., the fine DB for the Chargers, had three of them. First time a DB had three interceptions in a half in a playoff game. And uh, first time we've seen a quarterback with four interceptions in the first half as well, too. Trevor Lawrence in the first half was 10 for 24 with only 77 yards. Had that touchdown at the end of the first half, but had the four picks, like I said, and his passer rating was 24.5. Do you know what Trevor Lawrence's passer rating was before that last touchdown, before halftime? And even zero. Zero. I can't recall seeing a quarterback rating of a zero before. Second half, a little bit different for Trevor Lawrence. 18 for 23. 211 yards. Three touchdowns. No picks. Oh, and the perfect pass rating of 144.5. So he goes from zero to a perfect 144.5. Unbelievable. All right, so more on this game, because this was the game of the week. No question. And there are a lot of us, I say us, that gave up on this game, including our little food bet between Jay and Marco. When Marco had tickets for the Golden Knights game, and he said, I'm done. And so the rips started coming immediately from Jay to me. And I was like the messenger here going back and forth. And Marco sent this, this one gift that says, okay, I'll take my beating. I'm done watching this game. And he had this gift of a guy getting kicked in the nuts. <laughs> and he goes, fine. I'm buying, I'm buying dinner. No problem. So then I went on my way to the concert. Marco's at the, the, at the Golden Knights game. Jay, meanwhile, just sitting up with his, you know, resting his knee and enjoying it. Who knows what he flipped onto? I mean, we should get Jay on the show and ask him about this too today. But what happened in the second half was downright incredible. But if you're a Charger fan, maybe it's not so crazy, right? All right. So 27 to seven. Jags score another touchdown, make it 27 to 14. Still pretty interesting, but the Chargers are still moving the ball. Next possession, Chargers get a field goal and they're up 30 to 14. So you're still up 16 points, right? You're up two touchdowns plus two, two point conversions. Jags score a touchdown, make it 30 to 20. Now, a lot of people are probably wondering, well, let's see. Why Doug Peterson go for two points here? It makes total sense. It's 30 to 20. You kick an extra point, you're down nine. No, you go for two there. So they went for two, but they did not get it. So instead of being down eight, now they're down 10. So now they're going to need touchdown field goal, you know, to come back to tie the game. All right. So we go to the fourth quarter now and they're down. All right. 
30 to 20. And then Jacksonville makes this game even more interesting. Second and goal now. Lawrence fires into the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! Christian Kirk! Turned outside, beat Bryce Callahan. And with an extra point, they'll be within three. A sportsmanlike conduct. Defense number 97. After this, the penalty will be enforced on the try. Jacksonville has elected to go for two-point try at the one-yard line. So now they're going to go, they're going to line up to go. Well, the ball's at the one-yard yeah. line, so this is not a two-point attempt. Yeah, no, they're going for two. Well, they are, but the... You know, but this is, an, this is a really interesting call they're, right they're, now. They're going to win. They're, they're playing for the win on a field goal. So Hasty is the running back. They're going for two. And Lawrence reaches over and scores. Doug Peterson rolling the dice. I'll say. All right. Uh, so Al Michaels a little confused there. Tony Dungy, the man uh, of reason there, he said, hey, going to go for a touchdown. They'll be down two. Go for the field goal to win. That's what happened. But this all happened because you you figured they're, they would probably not go for two. But the Joey Bosa penalty where he was upset, thought he was held, threw his helmet down on the sideline, berated an official. They threw a flag. So now the extra point goes from the two-yard line to the one-yard line. So yeah, you you go for two at this point in time. Cannot blame Peterson for that. Now, as we know, there's a lot of crazy moves by a lot of these head coaches, and, and Peterson's one of them. Very unconventional. Sometimes, you know, he'll go for a, a two-point conversion and score in the first touchdown. And it's like, oh, I want to be up eight-nothing. Doesn't make sense. But this one actually made sense because you're a yard away, and then you put it in Lawrence's hands. He dives over uh, and, and gets it himself there. So now all of a sudden, we have got ourselves a 30 to 28 game with 530 to play. And then the Chargers now get the ball and they go three and out. So now in Jacksonville, the crowd's going crazy. All of a sudden we've got ourselves a, a game and now advantage Chargers because all they need now is a field goal to win the game. Now, so the Chargers punt, Jacksonville gets the ball back with three minutes and 20 seconds to go. And they take over at their own 21-yard line. They move the ball downfield, get into Chargers territory, and now they have a crucial fourth and one at the Charger 41-yard line. Fourth and one, what are they going to do? Are they going to the air? Are they going back to Lawrence for a sneak? This is virtually the game. Three backs behind them. <laughs> to the outside. ETN. First down and a ton more and stays inbound to the 15-yard line. What a call. Yeah, what a call it was. And ATN just put the uh, the Jaguars in business as he gets down to the 16-yard line. And uh, that will set up the game-winning field goal where now you go from improbable comeback to reality. 36-yarder from the right hash to win the game. Logan Cook will put it down. Riley Patterson. Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jets!
Jaguars have won it. The Jaguars have won it. They have come back from 27-0 to win the game and move on. How good is that? That's what I'm talking about. That was a 10-play drive in the final three and a half minutes that encompassed 79 yards, the Travis ATN run for 25 yards down to the Chargers, 16, set up the game-winning field goal from Riley Patterson. He nails it. Excitement ensues. The crowd going nuts. The announcers going nuts. And comeback complete. Jacksonville, 31. Chargers, 30. Jacksonville outscored the Chargers 24-3. to in that second half. Amazing. And the Jaguars advance on. A team, just kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had a home game, really probably didn't deserve a home game, but in the lowly AFC South, just like uh, the Tampa Bay plays in the lowly NFC South, they get the job done, home field advantage, and trail 27-0, and they win the game. Unbelievable. So that was how Saturday ended. So now we get up, we're ready for Sunday action, right? It's Buffalo and Miami. Now the Bills jump out to a commanding 17-0 lead. It looks like, okay, here we go again. But because of what we saw transpire on Saturday night, we're going, you know, this one probably still isn't over, even though it is the Dolphins, even though it is Skylar Thompson, you know, third-string quarterback. Are you kidding me? Well, Buffalo did let Miami back in the game. Even though Miami was thoroughly outplayed, Buffalo continued to kill themselves. Miami came back due to three Buffalo turnovers, two Josh Allen interceptions, and a Josh Allen fumble. And just like that, Miami's back in the game. They score 17 unanswered points. Buffalo gets a field goal right before halftime, so they're up three. So you're kind of thinking, okay, Niners, Seattle, this is the way Saturday started. And then the Niners, boom, put the pedal to the metal, hit the gas, and rolled in the second half. I kind of thought that was going to happen. Again, it's Skylar Thompson. It's all the other. It's Miami. Forget about it. Now these division opponents, man, they know each other so well. They came back, and then we get to the start of the third quarter. It's more Miami. Miami actually takes the lead after Buffalo gets the ball here in the second half, and Josh Allen has been a mess up until this point. Oh, a good ball comes out of his hands, and it's. Toward the end zone, picked up, and Miami with the touchdown and the lead. And right when I say he's going to take off and have a big time, no. Row with a hit. And Seymour with the recovery. That was Jim Nance and Tony Romo, a little shocked on what happened there on the CBS television uh, broadcast. And yes, a strip sack as Allen turns it over and take it in for a Miami touchdown. And the Dolphins have the lead. It's like, what? Is happening here. I understand it's a wild, wild card weekend. Insanity there as uh, we look at that. But Buffalo comes back and they retake the lead. And this time, Josh Allen may be back to normal. On first and 10 for the end zone. Oh, it's Gabe Davis. Did he get the feet down? Yes, he did. That is a game, game. You said it. (laughs) Game, game. Big game, Gabe Davis. Okay, I kind of like that. Allen to Davis for a 23-yard touchdown, and the uh, Buffalo Bills reclaim the lead, and they hang on to the lead, and they win 34-31. to So Buffalo advances and uh, nearly blew it, but they are going to have to play better football than what uh, we saw 
uh, on Sunday. No question about him. Give Miami some credit. I mean, Buffalo outgained Miami in this game 423 yards to 231. The Dolphins scored 31 points. All right. Well, 24 on offense, right? But seven on the uh, strip sack and take it in defensively. But they only had 231 yards. 231 yards. Unbelievable. Miami, four for 16 on third down. Skylar Thompson completed 18 passes in 45 attempts for only 220 yards. Had one touchdown, but he had two costly interceptions as well that uh, that helped Buffalo win this game. And here's another stat here. This is mind-boggling. Do you know Josh Allen was sacked seven times? Seven times. And he had three turnovers. Buffalo still had enough to win. Buffalo cannot play like this if they expect to beat Kansas City or Cincinnati. I'm saying it right now. As high as we uh, we are on Buffalo, they can't play like this, especially against the Dolphins. Now, you don't expect Allen to, to play this bad, but we will give Josh Allen credit because he did turn around you know, in the fourth quarter. But he seemed rattled. And there was that nervous energy that was in Orchard Park during the course of this game. It was kind of eerie for you know a point there while the Dolphins were coming back in the second quarter and the third quarter. But Buffalo hangs on for the win. All right, so then we get to the afternoon game over in the NFC with the Giants and Minnesota. Minnesota scored first touchdown, 7 nothing. Looked like no problem here, but... Not a surprise, right? We said this was a coin flip game. Didn't want any part of, of wagering on this game at all. And the Giants get the victory. Why? Because the Giants were hungrier. Giants played better. The New York Giants eliminated the Vikings because they had 28 first downs. 28 first downs. And Daniel Jones was better than Kirk Cousins. Not that Cousins was awful, but Jones was that much better. Daniel Jones, 24 for 35, 301 yard, uh, yards passing, and Daniel Jones carried the ball 17 times, many of those designed runs, and he ran the ball for 78 yards. Daniel Jones was phenomenal, and the Giants took care of the Vikings. And you know what? Good riddance. Good riddance to the Vikings. Don't want to look at them anymore. And we had talked about this all season long. This team just doesn't, it doesn't compute. Okay, they're winning the AFC North, because the Packers were horrible for a majority part of the year, the Lions were improved, and the Bears were the Bears. All right, But the Vikings had no business hosting a playoff game. We knew they weren't going to go far, but a lot of people figured, okay, they could probably beat the Giants. You know, again, they they beat them a few weeks, well, on Christmas Eve, they beat them by three points with a 61-yard field goal, so you kind of had a feeling this is going to be a close game, but the Giants get the job done, and you know what? Good for the Giants. Good for the Giants. Goodbye, Minnesota. We don't have to talk about them anymore. And this is a team, too, that is going to make some wholesale changes. They got free agents galore, big payroll, maybe no more Kirk Cousins, maybe any more Dalvin Cook, but that's another conversation for another time. So Giants advance. All right, so that gets us to Sunday night football, the playoff game. All right, Cincinnati-Baltimore. Every time these guys play, it's a battle. Even though last week uh, Cincinnati really – they needed the game probably a little bit more in Baltimore. They wanted that home field advantage, and they won last week 27-13. to But this game was going to be different because Baltimore was much more healthy. But this was the play of the weekend. 
Baltimore and Cincinnati are tied at 17. There's 12 minutes to go in the game, and the Ravens are going in for the score. Looks like the Ravens are going to be up seven here. They have the ball at the one-yard line. They're getting ready to take the lead until... Huntley sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. They are running it back. Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown. Bengals. Tyler Huntley tried to extend the ball over the goal line. It got poked away. Sam Hubbard scooped it up and ran the length of the field for a goal. Ahead, Bengals touchdown. He tried to pull a Trevor Lawrence, and the Bengals said no. They slapped it out of there. Logan Wilson punched the ball out of the hands of Tyler Huntley. And right into the hands of Sam Hubbard. And boy, Logan Wilson, others, everybody was swatting it at, at that football. Logan Wilson knocks the ball out of Huntley's hands. It goes right into the hands of Sam Hubbard. And the big line lineman races 98 yards for a touchdown. Hometown boy, Ohio State guy, Cincinnati Bengal hero. And that was it. Done. That was the game. Baltimore, if they score, they probably win the game. Because this was a defensive battle going back and forth. And that was it. Ball game. And Cincinnati wins 24 to 17 on one of the most unlikeliest plays. And again, backup quarterback. And didn't take care of the football. Did, did you listen to that? I got to give credit to the Cincinnati Bengals radio network because you could tell that that was the C- Cincinnati Bengals radio network, huh? I'm very curious. How did it sound on the Baltimore Ravens radio network? Huntley from under center, quarterback keeper. He goes over top. Ball comes loose. It's recovered on a fumble. Sam Hubbard has it. He's sprinting in the other direction. No whistle or flag. Hubbard is to the 30, the 20, 10, 5, and he's in for the touchdown for Cincinnati. Yeah, that was the Baltimore Ravens call. Uh, they were you know, still exciting. Then we're watching the game, and this is how the NBC crew called it with Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. Put them right around Huntley. He reaches. Oh, that ball's out. That's live. Back the other way, Sam Hubbard. The Cincinnati kid. Hubbard's got a convoy. Chased by Andrews. At the 30, the 20, he will score. That was Mike Tirico. And he was excited. Like I've, Tari- I've never heard Mike Tirico that excited before. But not as exciting as the next one. Oh, that's right. We do have one more. We do have one more. Okay. So we've heard from the Cincinnati Bengals crew. We've heard from the Baltimore Ravens crew and the NBC crew. But this one could be the most exciting. That's the only thing that's missing there. That's our good friends at Telemundo. The best part of that, adios, adios, Sam Hubbard, adios. Outstanding. All right. Credit to Dumb Chuck. Putting all that together, man.
That was outstanding. All right. Sam Hubbard, he spoke English after the game. Credit to Logan Wilson pun- punching it out and uh, just being in the right place, the right time. <laughs> Got a few blocks along the way, and uh, I was just worried about getting tracked down. I'm glad I made it to the end zone. It was a long drive leading up to that play, and I was pretty gassed. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely proud myself on being very well conditioned, and <laughs> you can't even dream that one up. Uh, it's pretty special, but, uh, you know, I was just glad to see the looks on my teammates' faces because that was a battle. It was a tough-fought game, uh, a lot of adversity, very physical, and to make the play and be the guy to come through is an amazing feeling, uh, not only for my teammates but for the fans as well. Sam Hubbard, uh, just elation there. Fantastic there. And the Bengals advance on 24-17 winners over Baltimore. Now, Baltimore, very distraught after this game. Uh, John Harbaugh, but especially J.K. Dobbins, the running back. Uh, another Ohio State guy. Not happy that what happened with the Tyler Hundley fumble, but just not happy with the way he was utilized. Uh, Dobbins was very vocal after the game, saying he only carried the ball. 13 times for 62 yards. 13 times, that's pretty good. But he didn't receive another red zone carry after he powered his way into the end zone on a two-yard touchdown carry in the second quarter. Baltimore ran three plays uh, on that the, the in the fourth quarter there in the inside the Bengals' three-yard line, and none of those featured Dobbins. He didn't get a chance to carry the ball at all. So here is what J.K. Dobbins had to say on the Tyler uh, Huntley fumble. He said, he should have never been in that situation. I don't get a single carry. I didn't get a single carry. He said it twice. He should never have been in that situation. I believe I would have been put, put it in the end zone again. I'm a guy who feels like I should be on the field all the time. It's the playoffs. Why am I not out there? I should be the guy. I'm tired of holding that back. I'm a playmaker. I'm a guy that my teammates feed off me when I'm on the field. That is J.K. Dobbins. I believe, how many eyes are in there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 10, 11, 12, 13. I'm a playmaker. I'm the guy. When I'm on the field, I'm the guy. There it is. Well, he wasn't the guy. And John Harbaugh just felt like, hey, well, it was supposed to be a quarterback keeper, but Hundley decided to go over the top instead of we were going to get the push and pull variety, you know, or just, you know, have the, the backs, uh, you know, push him into the end zone. Didn't work. He tried to be the hero himself. Didn't work. J.K. Dobbins, very upset that he didn't get those carries. Almost Marshawn Lynch. Link, uh, Marshawn Lynch's, uh, you know, like that situation going back to the Super Bowl with, uh, Seattle when, um, you know, Marshawn Lynch against the, uh, the Patriots didn't get a chance to, to carry the ball and Pete Carroll wanted to go to the air instead. So I'm sure we'll hear more about this, uh, from Baltimore and Dobbins, uh, in the offseason, especially when Dobbins averaged seven yards per carry in the last four games. He is your bell cow, but, uh, they opted not to give him the ball. Not only in that play, but down there in the goal line during that drive. All right. That's your wild, wild card weekend recap. All right. Next up, we're going out to Tampa Bay and visiting with TJ Rees for a live report. It's the final game of the wild card weekend tonight. Cowboys, Bucks. (laughs) Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. 
It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. California. Uh, an exceptional wild card weekend thus far, and we're not done. We still got one more game to go tonight, and how do you like it? I think a lot of us like the the idea of, of playing on a Monday night here. And it plays. It'll be your last Monday night football game that we're getting. But it should be a good one tonight. It's the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we go to Tampa Bay, Raymond James Stadium, for a live report from our guy who is on the clock working now. I'm sure he's got his, uh, what, uh, putrid and pewter or whatever in the heck they call it. He's got the Buccaneer colors on. He is TJ Reeves, the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they are hosting the Dallas Cowboys tonight. Uh, TJ how you feeling, my man? Happy Super Wild Card Monday night. Always good to be with the doctor in the desert. Uh, Numchuck was revving me up here for the interview, and uh, we're about ready to go. I can tell you that the Dallas team buses just arrived a few minutes ago with the police escort, and the good news for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott has yet to throw an interception because he had not gotten <laughs> off the bus yet, doctor. Wow, wow, that's interesting. I like that. And you're right. I mean, he has been downright awful. I mean, pathetic. I mean, what the last, what six of the last seven games he's throwing a pick. Uh, this has not been good uh, for the Cowboys. I know a lot of people are wondering which Cowboys team uh, is going to show up here tonight, TJ. And well, uh, that's, that's it's, it's interesting. First of all, let's let give me the the atmosphere. Uh, what is the atmosphere there like tonight? We know it's a sold out crowd. We we know that the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are division champs. That's why they're hosting this game, even though the Dallas Cowboys have four more wins than the Bucs. What is the feeling like there tonight with the Buccaneers faithful? Well, I can tell you it has been a gorgeous day here in Tampa Bay, a 68-degree day, but it is going to get cooler and eventually cold, even by probably Vegas standards, but certainly by Florida standards, it's going to get cold. Uh, here this evening with the second half, the temperature dropping into the low 40s. We're not used to that. You know how we are. We're weak, doctor. If it gets below 50, we're bringing in the plants. We're bringing in the pets. So it'll be a little chilly here tonight. I can tell you walking around the South Plaza of Raymond James Stadium, there are a lot of Cowboy fans, a lot being relative, probably several hundred that I'm looking at that are walking around outside. The gates are not open for another hour or so. So there's a lot to do. I know ESPN has been broadcasting all afternoon from this same South Plaza, and that's where a lot of these people are congregated over here, milling around, trying to, uh, you know, get their Dan Orlovsky autograph. I don't know what else they're trying to do. Get a <laughs> selfie with, uh, with, uh, hey. Laura Rutledge or whomever, Marcus Spears. So they've been out here for a couple of hours doing the pregame and then, um, uh, and then we get ready for this one, and, and you, you were saying that, hey, it's great we have one on Monday night. I, I'm the opposite. We've had to wait and wait and wait and watch those games Saturday and watch those games Sunday. And look, I know they don't consult us. I know there's mega millions, hundreds of millions on the line for these TV networks to bid for these games, but it's just been an eternity to wait through yesterday, last night, and today to finally play the game. And you're also putting whoever loses tonight at a distinct disadvantage. Because they are going to go on the road now to play a San Francisco team that hasn't played since Saturday and is sitting at home. So from a competitive standpoint, uh, you know, this is not favorable, but I understand the dollars 
and the dollar signs and the reasons why they're doing it. Yeah, it, it is un, unusual, but again, it's great for, for viewers. It's great for betters, obviously, and because, you know, you get this uh, standalone game tonight and we know this will probably be one of the high, will probably be the highest rated Monday night football game we've yes. seen in quite some time, not only because it's a playoff game, but especially with that Cowboys fan base. And of course you got your guy, Tom Brady, you know, playing in this game as well too. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to this. There's there's no question. Despite so TJ, here's, here's a reference point for you. So here's a reference point. So you know I do many podcasts. I'm a man of many hats. I should operate my own lid store down at the mall. Nunchuck, how am I doing? Where's my rim shot, Nunchuck? Where's oh, my rim geez. shot on that one? Yeah, Never mind. There you go. All right. Uh, but in any event, my SportsMediaWatch.com guru of the ratings, John Lewis, uh, referenced a year ago that the Rams and the Cardinals played this super wild card Monday night game. That's the first year they did the Monday night game, and it had right around 21 million viewers, which is a really good number. It's better than most Monday night football regular seasons, obviously, that don't involve the Cowboys, let's say. He believes that tonight, to your point, will have somewhere around 30 million, about 9 to 10 million more, just because of what you said, the love-hate factor on the Cowboys, and Tom, oh, that Tom Brady guy also being involved. So there's a reference for you, Doctor. Okay. So we have two inconsistent teams here. I mean, very inconsistent. And I I just don't know how to handicap this game. Now, I know that you think that the Bucks can win this game, but there is this conventional wisdom that, that Dallas can be very good tonight because if you go back and look how Dallas has responded after losses, they not only have won those games, they've won those games in convincing fashion here. And again, I'm not a big Dak Prescott guy, but we know that the Cowboys have a pretty strong D and, and both teams are probably more healthy now, as crazy as it sounds, than they have been all year. How concerned are you about the Cowboys defense specifically? And how do you think the Cowboys show up tonight? I think there is some concern, uh, but, you know, again, you can count me slanted. You can count me biased. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed the comedic value of listening to everybody try to explain away that Dallas always plays tight, including with Dak Prescott in December and January, just like they did a year ago when they blew the division on the final game of the uh, of the regular season and ended up, uh, or, or actually, yes, actually uh, ended up having to uh, play on the opening wild card weekend because they blew the final game of the regular season and got beat at home by the San Francisco 49ers. And Dak Prescott threw interceptions, and of course, uh, Vapor locked on the final drive when they were trying to get into scoring range, and the clock ran out on him. So uh, he's thrown a bunch of interceptions. They, they've been bad against questionable competition. I mean, you go back to mid-December, they were awful at home against one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Houston Texans, and probably should have lost that game. They were losing the whole second half. They were playing Tennessee with a quarterback who had been there for three days, Josh Dobbs, off somebody else's practice squad. They were losing in the second quarter of that game. You look at how awful they were that whole game last week with the with the commanders and a rookie quarterback in Sam Howell. All right, so Sam Howell, Joshua Dobbs, and Davis Mills of the Houston Texans. Do any of those guys belong in a sentence with Tom Brady, by the way, and playing him now tonight and this Buccaneer offense with him healthy? I mean, that's advantage Cowboys. So, I mean, advantage Buccaneers against the Dallas Cowboys tonight. You've got to believe that. Unless you're related to Jerry Jones or Dak Prescott, you got to believe it. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, what the factor is it's, it's the Dallas defense that 
that can cause some problems, as we know. And I think, again, you know, playing on the grass, playing there, we've looked at those stats as well, too. Uh, advantage Brady and, and probably the Buccaneers. But uh, again, you got Micah Parsons on the other side there. You you do got uh, Diggs. You got some guys that can uh, cause some some havoc and can, you know, are they going to be able to to get to Brady? I think that is is the key here tonight. Uh, TJ Reeves is live there in Tampa Bay getting ready for tonight's uh, final wildcard weekend game between the Buccaneers and and the Cowboys, TJ, very concerned here and wondering how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans are, are feeling and the tension. Is there any tension there that this could possibly be Tom Brady's final game uh, as a Buck and potentially maybe the final time we ever see Tom Brady? Yeah, there's, that has obviously been brought up, but I don't think tension is where it is. I think there's a lot of optimism here that it's not just going to be tonight but you're going to have a chance to play on. I don't think anybody is taking the pessimistic view that this could be it this evening. I think there's some confidence that you've got this home game. You earned that home game by winning the games you had to win at the end of the year against the Saints on Monday night, uh, against the Cardinals on Christmas night, and then against Carolina. Now, those are not world-beater teams, but you found a way to win all of those games and earn the home game. So, obviously, that will be one of the storylines, especially if the Buccaneers are starting to struggle. The only thing I will say, Doctor, is if they are within an arm's length in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady's not losing this game. I mean, I've seen the movie over and over again now this year. It's like going to Top Gun, brother. We've been to Top Gun in the theater. We've watched it on the DVD. We know how it ends. I know how this ends if it's close tonight because I've seen it over and over again. So uh, if if the Cowboys are to win, the the Cowboys better be up a couple of scores in the fourth quarter. They better do what the Cincinnati Bengals did and what the Kansas City Chiefs did earlier this year in games at Raymond James Stadium, where you're up by two touchdowns, 17 points, something like that in the fourth quarter of the game, where he simply doesn't have enough possessions and enough time to be able to come back. Then again, the Saints were up 13-3 to with five minutes left, and he put it in the end zone not once but twice in regulation to win the game. So Brady ever dangerous, and, and no is the answer to your question. I don't think there's much angst about whether or not this is his last game, at least from Buccaneer fans. But, but see, here's the thing. I think that there there has to be, because that's the reality of the situation is that it's if it if it is they lose this could sure. this could be it for him and and for everything that you just described as great as Tom Brady is I mean he had to rally the troops like you said being down to these lesser teams and let's face it the Cowboys even though they they haven't played great especially you know last week we understand that but I think you have to look at the reality and that's why they are the underdog as well too the Bucks are the underdog because Dallas is the better team between these two. Now, as we know, home field advantage means a lot. Tom Brady over Dak Prescott, I'm with you 100%, brother. But I'm just saying, I would think that it has to be in in in, in your back of your brain, Gene Deckerhoff, the uh, fine Hall of Fame <laughs> broadcaster uh, for you know the, 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 the Buccaneers, and, and those fans that are going to be in the stadium tonight thinking, like, this could be the last time I see Tom Brady. I think it's a reality that, I mean, 50-50, my friend. Well, here's, uh, here's reality for you on this one. And I told Numchuk, be ready for this. Okay. Uh, doctor, doctor. Yes. What were you doing in 1993? Where were you in January of that? And Numchuk, 
Nunchuck was like in grade school, maybe in preschool in 93. Was the <laughs> doctor in NoCal? Was the no. doctor in Vegas? Yes. Where, where, where were you? What were you doing January of 93? I'll tell you exactly where I was. At 93 January, I was here in Vegas on the radio. I was I was probably in the middle of a sports book hosting a playoff <laughs> party. That's where right. I was. Uh, great so, times in the early 90s so for you, yours truly you in will, Vegas. Yes. You will vividly remember Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, <laughs> Emmett Smith, Dallas Cowboys, NFC Championship win over Steve Young and Jerry Rice yes. and the San Francisco 49ers. You vividly remember that. Yes. Well, Cowboy fans vividly remember that, too. That's the last time they won a road playoff game. 30 years ago, Doctor. Mm-hmm. And that includes Dak Prescott uh, blowing a couple of road playoff games himself, including blowing the game at the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, a couple of years ago that he lost, uh, Tony Romo losing them, Drew Bledsoe losing them, Troy Aikman himself losing them in the late 1990s before he retired. You're talking about a team that has always played tight as an organization on the road in January. And by the way, it's not that difficult. Tom Brady won three of them with the Buccaneers just two years ago in Washington, in New Orleans, and in Green Bay. So when you talk about mindset, when you're talking about psychology, when you're talking about who's going to play tight, if things start going wrong for Dallas in the first half, it is chicken little, brother. The sky <laughs> is falling. The pressure is on. Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy. You're telling me you're backing Mike McCarthy tonight, Doctor? No, no, no. Mike McCarthy no, no, on a regular basis. Yeah, I do kill Mike. Absolutely. I, I, I want nothing to do with Mike, Mike McCarthy. However, I will say this. This may be a, a slim, me very slim, advantage Mike McCarthy over Todd Bowles because that's how little I think of Todd Bowles. But no, you're right. And going back to your point about this is all correlated, my friend, to the choke jobs, to who your quarterback is. Now, if you want to go back, I mean, Dak Prescott, we don't like Dak Prescott. He's not a big-time player. We understand that. Tony Romo wasn't a big-time player, as we know. Jason Garrett wasn't. You have to go back to Troy Aikman to be the last big-time quarterback. (laughs) Uh, And maybe Steve Berline. Well, we'll give Berline some credit, right? right? Seriously, seriously. But those last few quarterbacks, including Tony Tony Romo, that's why they they choked choked in the postseason it's correlated to the quarterback so i'm with you with that i'm with you and uh man i can hardly wait for this game tonight i think so here's my thing tj all right you mentioned the quarterback issues especially with prescott 15 interceptions for this hammenager seven straight games he's thrown a pick and he's thrown a pick six in three of the last four Talk right. about the Bucks' defense tonight, because we've talked last week about, hey, they're probably the, more, the most healthy they've been in, in quite some time. How do you see that matchup there? That's, I mean, that is advantage Buccaneers here. You know they're going to be hawking on a ball, especially early, and they picked him early in the first half of the game uh, in Dallas uh, all the way back in week yep. one. I don't know how much you can read into that week one 19-3 game. Nothing. Probably not a whole lot, but you know, one team won the game, one team played very well, and the other team played poorly for a lot of it, and it was because of the Buccaneers and their defense. Uh, and then Dak Prescott ends up breaking his thumb and missed five games after breaking his thumb. Amazingly, they won four of them without him. By the way, Doctor, you haven't slipped in. That Prescott leads the league in interceptions or tied for it with yeah, 15. 15. He, becomes say, the yeah, first, yeah. He, he becomes the first quarterback in the history of the NFL, when you talk dubious, to lead the league in interceptions while not having played five games in the season where he did it. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a dubious thing to be known. And again, if he is tight tonight, if he's playing poorly tonight, I'm, I'm saying it right here on the world famous, galactically famous TC Martin show. They have no chance to win. Mm-hmm. They're not going to run the football on the Buccaneers' defense. Vita Vea back in the lineup and the, on the defensive interior line. 
excellent tackling linebackers in Devin White and Levante David. The Cowboys are not going to run the football. They're not going to come in here and run for 200 or 250 yards. That's not happening. What's going to happen if the, if the Cowboys succeed is Dak Prescott throwing it well, playing a clean game. That's how they can win the game. But if he's rattled early, it is big, big trouble. And I'll tell you what else just to keep an eye on here. Buccaneers have gone into lulls in the second period and in the third quarter. All right, if, Even if they're up 10 nothing, something like that, be careful second period, third period tonight because the Buccaneers have had a tendency to kind of let up, let the other team in, keep going three and out, keep putting the defense on the field. So let's pay attention. Are the Buccaneers on the gas in the second quarter and the third quarter? Do they extend the lead? Because if they do, that's curtains for the Cowboys. Doctor. All right, there it is. Uh, tonight, the Dallas Cowboys, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. T.J. Reeves, the total, 45-and-a-half. Under, I don't think over. that gets home. I don't think 45 gets home. It's a low-scoring game, right? You would think, right? Probably something like 23-13, something like 20-13, you know, 17-10 maybe, kind of low-scoring, close to the best. Brady Brady effective, but not scoring a bunch. Bucks kick a lot of field goals. Yes, I mean, this could uh, be like 26-14, and it doesn't get to 45 points. Right. Under, uh, under betters are, are hoping you're right uh, with that one, my friend. All right, he is T.J. Reeves. He'll be on the sideline reporting tonight. T.J., real quick, any wind? No rain, right? But cold, any wind No tonight? rain. It has been a gorgeous, clear day. There's not much wind. It's just okay. going to be cool or cold. So the conditions are good. Outstanding playing surface. And the, uh, the Buccaneers have Tom Brady at home. 16 and 3 he is. I think we talked about this last week on your show. 16 and 3 in his opening playoff game on the wild card weekend or off the bye in the divisional round. Let's see if he gets to a 17 and 3 in 20 games. That would be amazing. All right. Staggering. All right. Do you reckon do you recognize that song TJ Reeves? There we go. B U C C A N E E R S. Hey, hey Tampa Bay, that your 1979 Buccaneers fight song. Where's John Let's McKay? Where's going? Yeah, there it is. Where's Ricky Bell when you need him? Bring me some Leroy Bring me some Ricky Reynolds of Sacramento, California. That's my guy. Bring me, bring me some old school orange. James Owens, baby. Another Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer. J.O., baby. There you go. All right, we'll let you go. Hey, enjoy the call tonight. Have a good time, my friend. And uh, pictures galore. We wait to see them. Be well in the desert. Let's see what the Bucks do. All good right. to be with you. Take care. There he is. Well, T.J. Reeves be coming west next week. San Francisco. Probably not. Never know. This is a coin flip game. I do expect Dallas to play better than what they saw, what we saw last week against Washington. I do. And awful losses. Cowboys have been pretty good. All right. Marco D'Angelo comes up. He joins us next. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. We talk about the betting aspects of the weekend. And even a look ahead to next week's games as well, too. T.C. Martin Show on a magnificent holiday MLK Monday. It's the enemy over there. They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball. Smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands. Run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live 
in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, give Pitches it, to... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got 40, it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this holiday MLK Magnificent Monday. Glad to have you with us. Appreciate TJ Reeves joining us, the Buccaneers sideline reporter, with our live report there from Tampa Bay, Raymond James Stadium. You heard, going to be a little chilly tonight there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, mid-40s, and uh, no wind, no rain. So we will talk about how that will affect tonight's game as we handicap it. The Cowboys, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Buccaneers, who are at home tonight. All right, uh, Marco D'Angelo joins us this hour, as well as Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. And now uh, looking forward to a uh, very good game tonight. And uh, the Monday Night Football, again, here, part of the playoffs. Uh, very, very exciting. I anticipate it's going to be one of the most highly um, rated Monday Night Football games we probably ever had, especially being a playoff game. And anytime you get the Dallas Cowboys involved, uh, you know, that will be uh, highly watched, no doubt about it. All right, so we continue on recapping uh, what our eyes saw Saturday and Sunday and what we expect to see tonight here in our number two for the NFL playoff game tonight, Wild Card Weekend, with one more game to go. Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com, and of course, one of our handicapper extraordinaires, joins us on a Monday. What is up, my friend? Oh, it's good. It was uh was there any interesting games over the weekend? Well, there was a <laughs> there was one particular game that uh I had uh, mentioned. We played some highlights in hour number one that uh that I know that you were interested in. Jay Schrader was interested in. And I gotta admit, I mean raise your hand if you gave up on the game uh maybe less than an hour into it. Come on now. Where's those hands up? Well, who's got uh, oh is that you in the back, Marco? Is it is that your hand raised? Uh, yeah. Over behind the chicken wing line? <laughs> yeah. Don't don't make me take a screenshot of all the abuse I took in the first half <laughs> uh, from you and Jay. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Jay was texting me, so of course I had to stir up the pot a little bit, you know, like you traditionally do. And uh yeah, I mean uh we, I think everybody figured that you were, you were done. You're cold turkey. You're dead as fried chicken as, uh, as, uh, Samuel Jackson said in Pulp Fiction, you know? Uh, it, it was not a good, uh, I sent you a picture right as the game was starting because <laughs> I had a hockey game to go to. So, yep. you know, me and the missus went to one of our favorite bar spots. We had some wings before the game and I watched the begin. My plan was to watch the first half of the football game and we're talking Chargers and Jacksonville and then head on down to T-Mobile and well I'll tell you what I barely got a, you know, one chicken wing down and you know what happened I mean it was 24 nothing before I could blink my eyes and uh, they didn't taste as good as they normally do <laughs> so talk about being on that side of it I mean it's just like every time we we go through this and as as betters 
you know that you have one of these type of games and, and you just figure, okay, it's like, it, it, it's done. I'm done. Were you thinking that, okay, well, maybe if they score maybe once before halftime or if they score, you know, maybe one time early third quarter that I still got an outside shot or did you seriously just, just punt early on? I did, I wrote it off. I to be honest with you, I did not look at the score until we were like at the end of a, an intermission and uh, at the hockey game. And I looked and I saw that they scored right before the half. That Jacksonville got that touchdown, and I said, you know that you know that's the best thing that could happen. A little bit of momentum going into the locker room, you know, see what happens. And but I never looked at a score until late in the fourth quarter, uh, midway through the fourth quarter, and I started getting a couple texts from some people, and then, you know, it kept getting closer and closer, and then, so now I'm at the game, and I'm trying to log on uh, to app to watch the game through my direct TV at T-Mobile, and, you know, Apparently, everybody was doing the same thing at the same time because I kept getting knocked off the Wi-Fi at T-Mobile. And uh, it would always freeze on a third down, <laughs> a crucial third down. It, it was torture, but uh, do you know, uh, I, I had our, our boy, um, you know, Ralph Michaels. He runs the database. Do you know what the record is of teams since ni- – this is all NFL games, not just playoffs – all NFL games, teams that are minus five in turnovers, what their record is in those games since 1989? I can't even begin to guess. Astronomical. Seven wins, 169 losses, and one tie. Wow. Wow. Insane. And, and you know, while this is, is unfolding, we're, we're talking about this, you know, this reminded me of the story that I brought up Friday with, when Jay – uh, Schrader w- was there with us because Jay and I were watching, or actually just, we didn't have the game on. We were, um, you know, at the, the Pac 12 championship game and I had the Vikings and that was that Vikings Colts game where just like you, I gave up on the game. I said, I left the house said, forget it. It's done. And then I don't know what either Jay, I think Jay checked the score and he goes, Oh, they finally scored. And at that point in time, it was like 33 to seven or 33 to 14 or something like that. So I still didn't pay any attention to it. And it wasn't until, uh, he goes, Hey, they got, you know, they're, they're now down like 22 or something like that. I go, then I started like watching it and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Now they got to stop. Oh, they scored again. They got another stop. They scored again. And then all of a sudden I just, you know, couldn't take my eyes off it. And again, we were in a suite there at Allegiant Stadium, but we didn't have the remote control. So we couldn't watch the game. So we're watching the game on the TV that is in front of us. The Pac-12 championship game, you know, they're like, what, what is this? You know, I don't want to see this. So it was, it was, it was crazy. So I was like just glued to that thing. I had the Vikings on the money line and they covered, they didn't cover the regular line, but typical Vikings. But so I kind of felt after this game was over on Saturday night that, that I had a flashback to that. And I could only imagine that I bet this is how Marco felt when I felt that day. Absolutely, and but you know, going back and then looking, you know, watching the, you know the highlights after the game and looking at the box score, how does Eckler only have thirteen carries in a game that you are up twenty-seven nothing? Well, we know that they don't run the ball to begin with anyway. That's why they're one of the the lowest rushing teams in all of football. And even though they have Eckler, that he doesn't carry the he's not like a bell cow. 
So it's crazy. You're right. But then again, this is Brandon Staley. This is who he is. The king of going for it on fourth down, king of going for it and fourth in his own territory. He didn't do this nonsense this time, but you know, we saw how many times we saw him, you know, botch things up last year that probably cost him a playoff, uh, a, a spot. But then, you know, this game, it was just poor mismanagement. And again, lack of motivation and just letting, letting his team tighten up. This tighten up and they didn't do nothing to correct it at all. No adjustments. And how many times in when we're breaking games down, TC, do I say to you, this team runs the football well, which is something I like if I have a lead because this team knows how to protect. You know, yep. when they're trying to protect the lead and kill clock, they're doing what they do well so they can actually extend the lead. But if you have a team that relies on the pass – and, you know, then they try to kill clock. That doesn't work. That was a perfect example of what I, what I always talk about in that situation. Marco D'Angelo uh, joins us who sweat home the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars winner on Saturday night. Okay. How'd the rest of the weekend go for you? How'd, how'd Sunday go for you? Sunday didn't go uh, well for me. My top play was uh, Minnesota in uh, kudos to the giant coaching staff. Okay, you you got to give credit where credits due, and that Minnesota defense is just horrid. I mean, when you make Daniel Jones look as good as he did yesterday, you you've got serious defensive problems. Um, we'll see what happens this week with the Giants as they move on. I did. Uh, have a, I cashed the second half of a teaser as well yesterday. I had teased the uh, Jacksonville. Uh, I had them obviously, you know, play, you know, straight in the game plus two and a half. And then I also teased them to eight and a half on Saturday. But I teased them with, and we ended up both winning this one, the Cincinnati Baltimore game. Right. You went with Cincinnati down. I took Baltimore up. I'm thinking, I know all the injuries and everything else, but this is, you know, Coach Harbaugh. This is a defensive team. This is a team that does run the football and going to shorten the game. I didn't see them getting blown out by two scores and getting it up to 14 and a half on the teaser. That's the direction I went. But, you know, man, did, you know, I, I feel bad for Tyler Huntley, you know, with the goal line situation there, but I got to go to, Harbaugh and ask the question, how does Dobbins not touch the ball in four tries? Not only that, but really not, you know, touching it more than the 13 times that he carried in. We had talked about this in the first hour and it bears repeating that JK Dobbins was not happy after the game. He was very vocal um, about that. He only carried the ball 13 times for 62 yards and did not get uh, another red zone carry after scoring that, two-yard touchdown in the second quarter. Baltimore, like you said, they ran the three plays inside the Bengals' three-yard line, and none of them featured Dobbins. And here is his quote on the Tyler Huntley fumble. He says, he should have never been in that situation. He goes, I don't get a single carry, not a single carry. He goes, he should have never been in that situation. I believe I would have put the ball in the end zone again. He goes, I'm a guy who feels like I should be on the field all the time. It's the playoffs. Why am I not out there? I should be the guy. I'm tired of holding this back. I'm a playmaker. I'm a guy that my teammates feed off of me when I'm on the field. Now, a lot of people are not going to like to hear that, especially his own teammates, but you really can't argue with the guy, can you? I mean, he, he should. This is like Marshawn Lynch esque, remember? You know, going back to that Super Bowl, uh, you know, Seahawks and Patriots. 
I agree with you 100%. Um, he should have gotten the ball, and I would rather have a player like Dobbins that, you know, is vocal and, you know, showing some life. You know, I know it's a touchy situation with what's going to happen in the offseason with Baltimore. Um, I don't know that this relationship with everything that's going on is going to be solved, and I'm talking, obviously, the the contract with Lamar Jackson. If you're hurt, you're hurt. I'm, you know, I'm never going to tell a player that they, you know, because we know what happened to, you know, RG3, that playoff game against Seattle. But here's the thing. Why wasn't he with the team? That's the part I have a problem with. You've got a young quarterback that, you know, okay, you can't get on the field for your team. I get that. You're, you're injured. But why are you not there on the sideline to help mentor him and be another set of eyes? I lost a lot of respect for him not being on the sidelines for this game. You are 100% uh, correct with that. And this just goes to show you who Lamar Jackson is. And again, I've, those that know me or listen, they know I'm not a fan of Lamar. I never was a fan of him at Louisville. And when he got here in the NFL, I, I, I questioned how good a quarterback he could be because of his lack of, of smarts and leadership skills. He's an amazing athlete. There's no question about it. But no, this thing, and we talked about it on Friday, and I think I posed the question to you and Jay. Do you, do you think that this is, you know, something, this is more about a contract situation than the injury? Is he really that hurt? And he probably just didn't want to hear the questions, but you're right though, Marco, for John Harbaugh not to say, no, what are you talking about? You're, you're on this plane. You're, you're going to this game. Are you kidding me? You're going to be there because if they win, well, what about the possibility of maybe him playing, whether he's out or not. Remember, they've been stringing everyone along week by week by week for the last seven weeks. Why not just 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 have him there? So that tells me that there's a major problem with him and this organization, probably him and this uh, locker room, because we talked about it last Friday. That okay, is this has this seeped into the locker room now because of what Sammy Watkins said? He said, "Man, hey, I'm I, I'm here to to play football. I'm here, best chance to to win. And you can't be here. We're we're all hurt at this point in time of the year. So I think this kind of tells us more uh, about." who Lamar Jackson is and the problems that he's going, uh, what's going on with him and this football team. And if you're, and if he doesn't sign with Baltimore, what kind of message did he just put out? Do you, is this the guy you want leading your team? Mm-hmm. If you're another GM looking, okay, let's go after him. I mean, I don't know that to me, we always talk about there's no eye in team, but boy, Lamar Jackson just put a big old eye in that because this, that was a selfish move. I'm, you know, I'm sorry if he's hurt. I don't have a problem with that, but man, he should have been on the sidelines there. I, that, I, I can't, I don't know that they come back from that. And for me being, you know, obviously, you know, this division, I follow very closely, obviously because of my, you know, Steelers and that, um, this is a good thing for the rest of the division because Baltimore has been one of those teams that, like the Steelers, that have always had continuity, you know, as far as ownership, players, and everything. You don't have all that drama. I mean, I know we've had some isolated incidents over the years with them. I, I you know, I can't say no, no team is exempt from that, but this has been a solid organization, uh, under Harbaugh. I don't know they come back from this. This is not, I don't think this is a marriage that can be fixed. So, with more of Lamar Jackson. So he sends out this tweet uh, earlier today. When you, and you can try to make what you want of this. When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. 
When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good things take care of you too. Statement from Lamar Jackson, right? Uh, This is clearly a shot at the Baltimore Ravens. Pay that man his money. (laughs) Yeah. I would not pay him his money. (laughs) Exactly. I would say there's the door, and you know what? Don't hit you on the way out, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about this. Since the the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, the Ravens have won eight of 22 games without him, all right? 30, that's 36%, and uh, 46-19 and 19 with him. But you know what? The guy didn't win a playoff game until, I think, what, was it last year or whatever? He's won one, I believe, right? No. It's zero or one. I mean, so no, you know, good good luck uh, down the road again. I don't want a selfish guy like that. I don't want a guy that's limited. That's a limited thrower. And let's be honest, this guy's injury prone. Uh, his better days are probably behind him. That's that's my thoughts. Or he's going to have to alter his style of play. No, never which- happen. Never. Which right, which that's his whole thing. It's because he's not a great pocket passer and so forth. So, yeah, uh, we'll be interesting to see where it goes. It'll be interesting to see if Staley. Uh, you know, I, I I lean to think that Staley stays in you know L.A. Uh, but man, I'll tell you what, I, I would be wheeling up the uh, Brinks truck uh, talking to Sean Payton right now. <laughs> if, if I was the ownership of, of the Chargers. Let's talk a little bit about the Buffalo game. Obviously the highest spread on the board at 14 and Buffalo hangs on for a 34-31 victory. They jump out 17 nothing. Miami comes back, but basically the only reason they came back wasn't due to Skylar Thompson because he wasn't very good at all. The Dolphins only had 220 yards in total offense and they scored 31 points. Well, they scored 24 offensively, seven. They got uh, the strip sack from Josh Allen. But this was more at it, it uh, the the lack of quality play from Buffalo here, Marco. I mean, Josh Allen was not good. He got sacked seven times. I mean, that sounds crazy, but Josh Allen, the guy who you know, will will take off and run with the best of them, got sacked seven times. He had three turnovers, two interceptions, one fumble, the strip sack, returned for a touchdown. How concerning is this? If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you know, from what we watched at home against an opponent, you should have shellacked. Well, for me, TC, this is something that's not new. We've seen this in several games from the Buffalo Bills this year. They one week look like they are a lock to get to the Super Bowl and actually win the Super Bowl. And then they have games, they had a, you know, they had one against the Jets like that, where they seem to play down to the level of the competition, or Josh Allen has that one, you know, where he tries to be, you know, the gunslinger and put one too many passes into a tight window and something bad happens. My takeaway is this week is going to be what, uh, you know, the tell all for, for Buffalo, because let's be honest. Once you knew that it's not Tua, he was ruled out first. Then you knew Teddy Bridgewater couldn't even grip the football. Not going to be him. And you're facing Skylar Thompson. You had to have a mental letdown because it's like, 
you know, we just got a first-round bye. Even though only one team uh, of each conference gets right. a bye, we just got one because Miami, there's no way they can come in here with Skylar Thompson and beat us. I think that was part of the mentality that was a mistake for Buffalo. And the other thing is, maybe we didn't put enough emphasis on how emotional last week's game was after you know what happened on that Monday night football game. That was the first game they played. You know, they got the word that, you know, he's going to be, DeMar's going to be okay, and that it still was emotional, the, the opening kickoff run back and everything else. Maybe that left a little, took a little bit out of the tank. The combination of looking past Miami and being let down. Now, I wish they were playing anybody other than Cincinnati this week, because to be honest with you, this would have been a game where I would have been all over Buffalo for sure. I still probably will. I haven't confirmed what I'm doing yet, because I generally like in the playoffs, TC, when you have one of the premier teams have that scare game, and it seems like every year there's one of those, they come back and respond well the next week when they survived the game that maybe they should have lost. And, you know, that was part of my thinking of why I like Jacksonville this week. You know, they had their playoff game, so to speak, the week before when they snuck in past Tennessee. Uh, Buffalo is lucky to be alive. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to your point there, you can even say that Jacksonville kind of approached that same thing where they slept walk through the first half because they came off that big emotional high to get in the playoffs. And like you said, you know, basically played a playoff game in their last regular season win against Tennessee. So, yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing. But then you give look at Buffalo. Well, the reason why I think I will play them against Cincinnati is because the way they did respond. Okay. I mean, that stadium was eerily quiet while Miami was going this run because it was like, are, are you kidding me? We're, we're, we're tensing up here because we shouldn't be tensing up. I mean, heck, we should, we should be handling these guys. It should be no problem, but they did answer the bell in the fourth quarter and they did come back. So I'm with you. I think it's that scare, but I did not like what I saw from Sean McDermott at all. Did not like uh, that. You know, burning the timeouts and just, again, the, the sloppy play and the penalties. So hopefully they get it out of their system, Marco. But you're right. We have seen this from Buffalo. And, you know, Buffalo is a team, they, sh- you know, they have never won anything. So you wouldn't feel like, okay, that they feel like they should be on cruise control like we've seen Kansas City do. We've seen Kansas City get through this week after week after week and say, okay, it's kind of like the Warriors in the NBA, you know, when they were going through their magical run, you know, and it's like, okay, we know we can beat anybody at any given time. Now it's time to put the, the pedal to the metal here. So that was a little disturbing for Buffalo because again, they, they had a little bit of that Kansas City mindset in, you know, Kansas City. I get it because I mean, they know they're the best team in the AFC, and we see them go through some lulls, and they always answer the bell. And, uh, you know, the books, um, you know, the guys that you did the money line parlays, and we joked about it, you know, when we were at Westgate on, you know, Friday. I said, is there anybody that hasn't taken, you know, the, the money line parlay with all the big, you know, favorites? Uh, and if they, the books needed one team to, you know, lose outright, uh, it helped them that Baltimore at least, uh, or not Baltimore, that uh, Buffalo didn't cover the line. They didn't cover the teaser. So, it, you know, it wrecked 
expect a lot of this stuff, but the money line, if they go down, and the books would have had a monster week. Marco, Trust me. Marco D'Angelo joins us, wagertalk.com. You can go to wagertalk.com, get uh, Marco's plays, uh, no matter what the sport is. And, of course, uh, Marco, a uh, key member of our team here, joins us on Mondays and Fridays. All right, Marco, so we know going to tonight's game, we've got – Tampa Bay and Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys have 35 playoff wins. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Bucks, has 35 playoff wins. <laughs> Where does 36 go tonight? Who's, who, who gets 36 on their side? Well, it, it, you want to look at history, you go with Tom Brady. If you want to look at the numbers the, for the current season, and I know everybody is just making too much out of Dallas last week and how bad they played when, you know, they had a chance, you know, to still catch Philadelphia. Philadelphia was not going to lose last week to the Giants. It was a double-digit favorite. It, when the Giants just clinched their playoff spot the week before, uh, Philadelphia was a team, if there was any team, that needed that bye week, it was Philadelphia, and they weren't losing it at home to secure that. You look at the whole body of work. Tampa can't score points. They, you know, Tom Brady had one really big game, and it was the game they needed, and that's why everybody is making a big deal about you, you can't buck Tom Brady at home because he won the Carolina game. Carolina was a great story to be in that position you know, the second to last game of the season, winner goes to the playoffs. Uh, they just weren't, you know, you give Tom Brady the experience there, he found a way. This is, and that's a team, Carolina, that doesn't have an offense like Dallas. How is Tampa going to trade points with Dallas? I know that Dak has turned the football over, and that has been a problem. But even with all the times he turns the football over, this is a team that still scores points even when they turn the football over. I don't know how Tampa does it. Tampa cannot run the football. It makes them one-dimensional. If you get any team one-dimensional, they're at a huge, huge disadvantage. And when you got a quarterback, I'll do respect. I mean, Father Time's undefeated, okay? He's never lost. Tom Brady cannot move in the pocket, okay? And he's not a threat to run. So he's a sitting duck when he's in bad down and distances. I'm going with Dallas tonight. I've laid the two and a half points. I played it early in the week at two and a half. It's, I've seen some threes pop up around town. Uh, it even money if you have to lay the three. But I like Dallas to get the job done. And I know there's a lot, and I can't disagree with, you know, the teaser. I mean, this is a lot of people have teasers going. I'm sure when you uh, talk to Chuck uh, later, he's going to tell you, that, you know, hey, we got a lot of, you know, liability on, you know, the teaser up to eight and a half because that's the proper way to tease the game. Uh, you would think that Tom's not going to get blown out. But if they fall down by, you know, two touchdowns, and remember, you know, they've had games where they, they fell down and had to come back. I remember the Monday night game against the Saints. They should not have won that game, but Tom found a way to keep them in it. But I'm going Cowboys. I'm with you, Marco. Uh, again, Dallas is the better team. They, they've won four more games than, than Tampa, and because the Tampa is in that uh, putrid division, uh, that's the only reason they're hosting this game. And if you go back and you look, and what, and what got me on Dallas, again, I don't think e either one of us are big Dak Prescott guys. I mean, we like, no. I like Brady much better like Prescott, but I'm betting 
the Dallas Cowboys tonight due to the defense. And I think they can give Brady, uh, some problems. Uh, I also think it should hopefully be a low scoring game. Like we talked about Friday, um, because you got two good defenses and that's the way the opener went, you know, when it was, you know, the 19 to three game, uh, earlier, you know, two very good defenses, but here's the thing that people are making way too much out of the Dallas Cowboys not winning a playoff game since January 17th, 1993, almost to the day here. Uh, throw that out the window. The stat that, that I looked at here is that when Dallas comes off of losses, they win though coming off of losses and they usually win pretty big. And to me, I throw out the game against Washington because again, they didn't really need that game. Uh, there was all that, uh, uncertainty whether McCarthy was going to play as starters and then for how long and this and that. This is a totally different beast. And we know the Cowboy fans travel well. There are going to be a lot of Cowboy fans in that building. Not that that means anything, but I just think that Prescott will not be as bad as what we've seen before. And hopefully the Dallas Cowboys defense can keep them in the game. And I think that they will. So I'm with you. I think the right team is favored. And anytime you have a situation like this where the road team in a playoff game is favored, even by by its two and a half points, it's telling you they are the better team. So don't overthink it. Just play the better team and hope that Prescott doesn't kill you. And to add to your uh, stat, with they play well off of a loss, the last two seasons, they are 8-1 and one against the spread following a loss. And you said they win by a big margin. The average score in those games, 33-17. to 17. There you go. There you go. Hit, hit, hit the sledgehammer to my point there. There it is. I like it. All right, my friend. Uh, good stuff. Uh, we look forward to, to Friday. Now, I don't know if we're going to be able to get Jay out. I mean, uh, Jay may be secluded right now uh, after after that. But he did say, he goes, listen, I have no problem buying Marco dinner when I blow a – my team blows a 27 nothing lead. So you don't have to worry about him. Uh, but I just think he's a little mourning right now, uh, still shell-shocked. Because this guy was literally, I mean, he, he, he was counting just the number of tortillas that he was going to get with his fajitas there. Am I going to have six? Am I going to have eight? Is it going to be mix and match steak and chicken and corn and flour? I mean, it, it, I, I think that that order was already placed, Marco. Oh, you guys were having fun. I, I mean, the, the, the texts that were coming my way. And I expect that from you. And I expect that from Jay because we have good. But you know what really devastated me? That Numchuck jumped on the bandwagon too. It was kicking me when I was down. That, that was, I didn't, I didn't expect that one from Numchuck. <laughs> That's what Numchuck does. I mean, you should see how terrible Tuesdays are. I mean, I, I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow because he's going to, Probably let me have it tomorrow. So who knows, man? All right, my friend. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, man. And uh, we're rooting for the same side. So, and uh, do you have a, a quick opinion on the total? I lean to the over in in it, but I am not playing it because I <laughs> the books are praying for one under. Right? They, they, I mean, you know, we talk about it. <laughs> John Q. Public ain't betting unders. <laughs> uh, this is true. Exactly. All right, brother. Hey, thanks. Uh, great stuff uh, again. We'll look forward to seeing you on Friday at the Westgate. All right. I'll see you then. There he is, Marco D'Angelo. He'll be there on Friday at the Superbook. When we come back, Chuck Esposito is going to join us. Talk about what's happening over another one of my favorite properties out at Red Rock as we get ready for tonight's finale of the Wild Card Weekend. Cowboys and Bucks. Talk about where the money's moving next.
Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. We got one more playoff game tonight on this uh, wild card weekend. Oh, yes. Loving it. Two on Saturday and then three Sunday. And then here we go tonight. Look forward to it. We got the uh, Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Uh, we've already talked to our good friend TJ Reeves, who will be on the broadcast there at Raymond James Stadium. The the look ahead tonight. Talk to Marco D'Angelo from the handicapping side. Now let's go to the sportsbook side and talk to our good friend over at Red Rock, Chuck Esposito. Chuck, what's happening, my man? All good, T. Just kind of a exciting uh, first weekend of the wild card playoffs. Uh, Set some dramatic comebacks and young quarterbacks playing well and sets up for kind of what I think we all thought might be the best game of the weekend going into uh, the wild card, and that's the Cowboys at the Bucks. Um, winner gets to play at San Francisco on Sunday night, which, again, I think will be a really good game. Um, but overall, you know, great atmosphere, great crowds. Uh, it's fun to have postseason football here. So, Chuck, is this the – most handled uh, game of the weekend. I mean, because it's Cowboys, but more importantly, because, hey, it is the last game. It's Monday. I mean, you just think it'd be a no-brainer that you'd have the, the most money wagered on this contest. Well, I think you have the most carryover, um, so that kind of um, makes it look like the most wagered game. Really, they were all bet really well, T. I, I think when you looked at you know the handle that was generated on these games, it was great. Uh, um, anytime you've got you know the postseason rolling around, the extra games and and primetime games on Saturday night, Sunday night, and Monday night, it definitely generates more interest, more handle. We've always said that about isolated games, but again, I think because everything is rolling into this last game, and you've got America's team, you've got Brady, um, it's definitely generating, and I think one of the higher rank, higher handles we've seen um, on the wild card round so far. And we've seen this line pretty much uh, stand pat around two and a half in favor of the road team, the Cowboys. What are you seeing, Chuck, as far as, uh, you know, any movement at um, all or ticket count? Yeah, a little cheap. From the time we put it up, uh, there was early action on Tampa, uh, and then we saw the number go back up uh, in favor of, of Dallas, where it's kind of kind of sat on that key number. Um, I think we talked about this before. Um, in Tom Brady's career, he's 7-0 and against the Cowboys. And I think you look at Dak Prescott, he missed five games this year, but still led um, the league in interceptions. Um, that had never happened where a quarterback has led the league in interceptions and gone on to win the Super Bowl until last year when Matt Stafford did it. Um, could it happen two years in a row? I guess. I think you look at Dallas, and they clearly have the ingredients to be playing in, in the second week in February. They can run the ball with Pollard and Zeke. They've got one of the best defenses in football. Um, there's a lot of positive things to like about Dallas. I think the one thing right now is that Prescott hasn't had um, a great year, but uh, they are a really, really good team. So, Chuck, we know that we've seen some two and a halfs. We've seen uh, the line, you know, three here as well, too. Where do you guys uh, sit on this, uh, the current line right now, as well as the total? Uh, it's on that key number, T. Um, so we're seeing some some action right there. And, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, the, the total is kind of crept up a little bit. I think you look at the scoring in a lot of these games and that's why it's crept up a little bit. Um, but we'll have to see what ultimately happens right before they kick off. 
All right, Cowboys are favored by three, the total 46 in this one. And remember, this kicks off at 5.15 uh, Pacific time here tonight. It's the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. And, Chuck, I would imagine you have a lot of teaser money on the Bucks here as well, too, especially when you got a number that's it's even two and a half or three, you know, getting over that, you know, seven, eight, and now, you know, getting up to 10 as well, too. I would I would imagine probably more teaser money on, on Tampa than, than Dallas, right? Yeah, there has been T. I think when you uh, when you look at it, you've seen um, you know money like that come in a teaser weekend. They're always looking to kind of tease teams up or down. But if you can get you know Dallas getting plus points, um, I think there is some value there. Mm-hmm. No doubt. All right. Uh, when we look at uh, the rest of the weekend, Chuck, we know that the underdogs uh, cashed in on four of the five games uh, thus far, and we saw two outright winners in Jacksonville. And the Giants, and we know that uh, the the public loves to play uh, those favorites. So when you see dogs cashing in, it had to be a good week for the books, right? Uh, yeah, I think you know yesterday was much better. Um, the, the first day we really uh, you know did not do well. I think the guests did much better on the Forty Nine er Seahawks game. Um, the yesterday and then the late game, we were Charger fans. That that epic collapse was not good for our side of the counter. There was a lot of liability going into Buffalo. I think the three teams on the money line, they played the most. You had San Francisco, Buffalo, and then Cincinnati last night. Um, the later two games, of course, with, with young quarterbacks starting. Um, getting Miami to cover in that game really kind of changed the complexion of the weekend in our favor. Um, so, so overall, yesterday really was uh, the better of the two days, but definitely some liability tied uh, to the games today. You know, the Giants and Vikings game, it just seemed like it was a coin flip game. I thought it was very, you know, hard to, to handicap. The uh, Giants end up, uh, you know, winning the game outright there. And Chuck, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the NFC North teams with the Packers and the Bears and the Lions and the Vikings. And this Vikings team just, they, they really just what we saw yesterday was what we've seen for the entire season, right? A team that you expect to win, you expect to score, but the defense is downright awful. It just never got any better. I mean, what a disappointing team the Vikings turned out to be, even though they won the division, you know, going away, but, and they had a home playoff game, but I don't know about you, but I just never felt comfortable, you know, betting this team at any point in time this year. I totally agree, T. I think, you know, we talked about it throughout the season, and uh, they had more uh, one-score wins than anybody else in the league. Uh, they were undefeated in one-score wins this league, this year, but then found a way to lose a one-score win, uh, a one-score game in their most important game of the year. So, you know, I, I thought with Jefferson and the, and the addition of Hawkinson and, and Cook, um, and, and I don't think Cousins was great this year. He was okay. But the real Achilles heel of that team is their defense. They couldn't stop anybody. Um, I thought the Giants had a great game plan. I loved the way Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and those young wideouts played. Thibodeau put a lot of pressure um, on Cousins yesterday. And I think hats off to the Giants. You know, with a new coach and, you know, expectations weren't really high this year. I think they achieved, they uh, uh, they were overachievers. They played well. And uh, now they get another match uh, with the Eagles. Um, who they played, you know, fairly well without a lot of their starters um, week 18. So this Viking team I was not impressed with all year, and they did nothing to change my opinion yesterday. All right. Uh, how do you see tonight's game unfolding here, Chuck? You know, it's a rematch of, um, you know, week one, the Tampa one. That was the game that Prescott got hurt in. Um, personally, I think the Cowboys are the better of the two teams. I think they're they're way more balanced. 
Um, I think that, again, they have the ingredients to be playing in February, that they can run the ball and play defense. I don't think Dak has to be spectacular, but he can't make those mistakes. He can't turn the ball over. On the flip side, you're playing against Tom Brady. This has not been a good Tampa team all year. They barely squeaked out an above 500 record. Um, they needed, uh, you know, a number of, you know, fourth quarter comebacks um, to get to this point. Yet they're in his career, he's seven and zero against the Cowboys. He's had their number. Um, I, you know, I'm happy to root for whoever we need tonight. I favor the Cowboys a little bit. You know, I think the Cowboys are the more dangerous team if they win tonight. I think it it really creates a, a a rematch of that game last year in the postseason when San Francisco went into Dallas and won, having Dallas go into maybe San Francisco. San Francisco's been great. We have liability on them to win the you know to win the Super Bowl more than any other team. But I, you look at who they played since Purdy uh, since Purdy was instituted as starter, and I know you beat the teams in front of you, but it has been a rather you know e- a much easier road than a lot of teams have. I think having to play against potentially the Cowboys um, in you know the divisional round really is going to be an interesting matchup with those two teams because of the Cowboys' defense. So I favor the Cowboys a little bit because of their defense. Um, but again, Brady has their number. They beat him earlier in the year um, with, uh, with you know, uh, Fournette having his best game of the year. Um, so we'll see how it unfolds. From our side, T, we're hoping there's not a lot of scoring. We need this one under tonight. You got it. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock. So the winner tonight, Chuck, gets the San Francisco 49ers. And like you mentioned, that will be the late uh, uh, Sunday afternoon game. And... Do you have a a look ahead line now, or have you guys, uh, you know, you and the Brain Trust talked about what kind of number you would put up here if it is San Francisco versus Tampa versus San Francisco against Dallas? Yeah, I think if it's if it's against Dallas, you're probably going to see that number maybe in the uh, in the five five and a half range. And I think if it's against Tampa, it's going to be a little bit higher than that. Okay. All right. So four games for the divisional round next week. We're going to have two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Real quick, Chuck, let's uh, take an early look ahead here. And we know it's Jacksonville at Kansas City. Uh, the Jaguars coming off that uh, miracle you know, comeback. And this is a team that's uh, been playing some very good football here down the stretch. The Chiefs are the rested team. The Chiefs open as a nine-point favorite, total 52 in this contest here. Uh have you seen any early action at all here, or what is your anticipation uh, with with the line movement here as we work our way towards Sunday, or rather next Saturday? I, I think it's always in the divisional round, T, when you have teams that have the bye, that the, the guests on the other side of the counter really favor those teams, and that's the Chiefs and Eagles. Again, these are rematches of games that took place this year. Um, Eagles really beat up the Giants early in the season, and then uh, although they played more of their starters late in the season, they had a commanding lead before they let the Giants back in that game. Jags and Chiefs played earlier in the year as well, a game the Chiefs were well out in front. The Jags came way back in that game, and ultimately the Chiefs ended up covering that game. Um, Jags have played, you know, arguably some of the best ball over the second half of the season. Um, they can't withstand a, a four-interception first half against Kansas City. Um, I think you're going to see some betters on the Jags because of the way they play offense and how good they've been of late. And the Chiefs just don't blow teams out. I know they were able to win that 18, the Week 18 game against against the Raiders and cover the number, but they haven't been great against the point spread this year. So it wouldn't surprise me to see some Jacksonville love uh, come in because they're getting so many points in this game. However, in the Giants-Eagles game, I know it's the third time they're playing each other. 
I still think this number is going to go up, that um, you, you get arrested Prescott, uh, a team that was rested a little bit. I just think the Eagles have played so good this year. If Prescott is healthy, I think it's going to be a really difficult task for the Giants to match, to match that offensive firepower uh, that the Eagles bring into this game. All right. The, yeah, uh, Chuck's referring to Jalen Hurts for the, uh, the Eagles, who will be uh, their seven-and-a-half-point choice against the Giants here um, in, this, uh, in this game for Saturday afternoon. How strange is this, Chuck, first of all, that we've had six games on the wild-card weekend and all six were rematches, and now we go the divisional round, we could see every one of these matchups as another rematch. These guys have, have played before, and you already mentioned you know, uh, a, a couple already here. But seriously, every matchup could be another rematch. I, I don't think we've ever had that before. Well, I know we haven't never well, had it before. It, it is unusual, but then again, factor in, T, that there's an added game for each of these True. teams now yeah. um, that you didn't have in the past. So um, I think that plays into a little bit, especially, you know, that they're in the same conference and um, just the way the schedule breaks down, that some of the top teams play the top teams and, and bottom teams play more of the bottom teams based on, you know, where you finish the year. But um, it, it does. I mean, it, they're familiar with each other, and I think that's why you have some games that potentially could be a little bit closer. You know the team's strengths and weaknesses, especially divisional foes like you're seeing in the, the Giants and Eagles play. We know the Bengals-Bills game, you know, never took place. Um, you know, uh, and that one, I think everyone's been looking at if these two teams, you know, played again, how would it play out? But, um, you know, I think it's great though, that they're rematches. And again, we get to see these teams play again. We know what happened in the first game, but postseason's a different animal. So I think you have to throw that out. All right. Then we're going to get the Bengals and the Bills. And that is the game, obviously, where, uh, much anticipated Monday night football game two weeks ago. And then of course, DeMar Hamlin, uh, gets injured. And, you know, that game had all kinds of implications of, you know, where this game could be played at. And I know the, the Bengals felt like they were slighted here. They were leading that game. It was early on. You know, if they would have, you know, that game would have, uh, you know, completed, they wouldn't have the unfortunate, you know, uh, scare there and injury to Mar Hamlin. Uh, who knows? The Bengals maybe have won that game. Maybe the Bengals would be hosting this game. But now they've got to go on the road, and we're going to get the rematch between the Bengals and the Bills. The game's in Buffalo, and Buffalo's a five-point favorite. Uh, give me some quick thoughts uh, on this, and then also about what you thought from seeing both teams yesterday. I'm sorry, what was the second part you said, T? Uh, your, your thoughts on what we saw from both of those teams in their games yesterday. I didn't think either team looked great. Um, you know, I, uh, I, again, I think the Baltimore Cincy game, it's just the AFC North. They play tight, close games for the most part that both teams are physical. We know that Baltimore, you know, down to a second and third string quarterback, that defense, defense was going to be a key there. I think at the other game, you look at the fact that Josh Allen threw a couple of interceptions, uh, had the fumble, you know, has had some problems in the red zone this year. Um, gave Miami an opportunity. And you're talking about, you know, Skylar Thompson, a third-string quarterback. They had some bad drops in the first half, especially by Jalen Waddell. Um, the fact they were able to come back from a 17 nothing lead, take the lead in the game before they ultimately lost late. But I don't think either Cincinnati or Buffalo played great in that game. Now it's one game. I think they both are capable of playing, you know, in February and winning. And hoisting the Lombardi, but I don't. I wasn't overly impressed with either one of them yesterday. Right. What a great time of year! And again, uh, with all of these games being 
standalone games. Uh, the action is great. Uh, and again, we're having, you know, just a lot of close games. It's really been a season. We've talked about this before. We've had so many one score games. Uh, just continues to heighten the NFL where it is right now. But the excitement there in the sports book, Chuck, I can only imagine what it's been like, you know, the entire weekend, what it's going to be like tonight. But real quick, talk about what it was like. If you did have those Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday night and what, what that was all about, what it was like there and those, those Charger fans who just figured, Hey man, I want to stand in line early and cash his ticket at 27 to nothing. Well, if you're a Charger fan and we were, um, it was just kind of head scratching some of the play calls that occurred, um, in the second half. And when you're up 27 nothing in a postseason game and, and you've got weapons like, like Keenan Allen and, and, and Eckler and, and a young quarterback and Justin Herbert and a defense with Bosa and Khalil Mack. Uh, I really surprised that, that the game plan kind of what the Chargers had. This has kind of been their MO a little bit. Um, but hey, hats off to this young Jag team. They're one of the hottest teams in football the second half of the season. Came into the postseason on, I think, a five-game winning streak. Trevor Lawrence has really changed his game. But I really thought, you know, the four interceptions in the first half um, really kind of maybe changed the complexion a bit. And you were going to see some struggles out of him. But he played so well in the second half. That offense played well. I think Doug Peterson showed why he's such a, you know, good coach. And uh, they were able to come back and, and win that game. And, uh, uh, not great for our side, but if you were a Jag fan out there and had money invested, you were definitely pretty happy uh, the way the, the, the way the game turned out. No doubt. All right, he is Chuck Esposito. He's over there. Jason McCormick, Jason Sybil, all the guys, a great staff there over at uh, Red Rock. And, of course, all these station casino properties, a fantastic place uh, to watch the games. I can imagine uh, the atmosphere is going to be uh, pretty lit tonight, Chuck. Oh, I think so, T. I mean, you've got Brady and, you know, the history of the Bucks and how good he's always played. And then, you you know, they're 7-0 and against the Cowboys in his career. And America's team, you know, who the popularity of the Cowboys at the last game to see who's going to play San Francisco. So I uh, already have a great crowd in the book. I suspect we're going to have a great crowd in all of our books. I think the atmosphere, um, the hype's going to be electric. And uh, happy to root for whoever we need tonight when they drop, when they kick off, I should say. There you go. All right, kicking off tonight uh, at 5.15, Tampa Bay and the Dallas Cowboys. All right, get over to to any of the station casino properties check it all out tonight and remember the stn mobile app so easy to use so user friendly uh go ahead and uh get on over and do that as well too and plus they got the kiosks over there as well so real easy chuck uh to use and uh again great atmosphere to watch uh, all the games and and i know that you guys do a fantastic job uh, and i look forward to getting over and seeing you during the course of this week or next weekend sounds awesome t always love to have you come over and say hi and then chat a little bit. So I uh, look forward to that, buddy. You got it, brother. All right. Tell, tell the gang I said hello, man, and uh, be good, and uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, brother. All right, T. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Chuck Esposito at Red Rock. Wow. Got to love it. All right. The, the Monday playoff games, fantastic, you know, and this is it. This is your last Monday night football game. And, you know, we had the, the national championship game, the college football game, you know, last week. That was cool. But, uh, yeah, I think you got to give credit to the NFL, even though that we talked about it could be kind of an unfair advantage for the winner of this game playing next, next week against San Francisco. Uh, it's good for business. It's great for sports books, obviously. It's great for, uh, TV ratings. And, uh, this is why we love the NFL. And again, you know, some of the nonsense that they do. Some of the ridiculousness, it's all tolerable at the end. 
because you know we love the game so much and the product is is so good and we have so many exciting games. So looking forward to tonight's action. All right. I want to thank Chuck Esposito over at uh, Red Rock for joining us. TJ Reeves, that live report that we had last hour from him at uh, Tampa Bay Raymond James Stadium. Looking forward to tonight's game to close out the wild, wild card weekend. And uh, also want to thank Marco D'Angelo, our handicapper extraordinaire, for joining us regarding that. For Chuck TC saying so long, get on over to the website at tcmartinshow.com Check out our recap of the wild, wild card weekend. I love saying that. The wild, wild card weekend. Go check out the blog up there uh, regarding that. Check out the interview from last week up on the homepage as well, too, with Jay Schrader from Friday's show at the Superbook at the Westgate. You got that to listen to, plus the current interviews, the past interview page, all up there for you. And go to the podcast page. If you miss any of the past shows or any of the great interviews that we have here, hey, interviews second to none no question about it go through it go check it out at the podcast page at tcmartinshow.com or wherever you get your podcast apple spotify stitcher wherever you can find it up there all right have a good one we'll catch you tomorrow it's a terrible tuesday tomorrow plenty of terrible tuesday takes plus we'll recap tonight's final of the wild card weekend with tampa bay and dallas that and a whole lot more coming your way at two o'clock manana